Welcome to the Brunton Bugle, a podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Kai Knight Football Club. From Max Crocombe to Tony Cullen and Callum Hingerbotham to Chris Howarth, we've got it covered. This is episode 24 and today we're going to be reviewing United's exit from the FA Cup at the hands of Doncaster Rovers, looking ahead to the return of fans to Brunton Park against Salford City and looking at what ex-United players have been getting up to. I'm joined on this episode by one of my regular co-hosts, and today it's Dan McLennan. Dan, how's it going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Unfortunately, had to put my uh, tinfoil FA Cup away for another year, but apart from that... Gutting, isn't it? Gutting it, really, but uh, we'll obviously get on to the game anyway, but it's just one of those games, wasn't it, where better side won, really, I think it's just fair to say, so... Yeah, no complaints, really. No complaints at all. I didn't mention news there, because we don't really have much news to report on for this episode, but we will start with a little bit of news, aren't we, Dan? And that's a bit of breaking news from this morning, that uh, former United striker Jabu Abira is announced he's bringing his 20-year playing career to a close. Uh, across 10 different clubs, Jabo made 677 appearances and scored 138 goals. But his most prolific and arguably best spell came with United, where he managed 31 goals in 85 appearances. Just over one goal in every three appearances, that one. Um, but a little bit of sad news, really, but I, mean, I suppose at the age of 37, he can't complain to him. He's had a cracking career, hasn't he, Jabo? Yeah, or the Islington Assassin, as he was uh, nicknamed by the Brunton Park faithful. Yeah, he had a well, he had an excellent two-year spell. I, I think we did quite well to to attract him initially because, you know, he's he's a London lad, isn't he? You know, he's he's played a lot of football down south. I mean, the only two northern clubs you've played for are Oldham and Barnsley, aren't they? But prior to us, I thought you said Northern. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it, 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 I agree. Yeah, like it was one of those ones. Wasn't it? I think Curl had actually tried to get him before that, hadn't he? I think in the January of that season, we nearly went down. I think he tried to get him on loan, but he couldn't attract him at that point. But then at the end of the season, managed to get him in and couldn't really have expected the impact he had, could you really? Because there's only one club he scored more goals than that. That's Orient. And to be fair, he was eight years at Orient. So yeah, yeah. Different. But, yeah. But he always seemed to have a knack of scoring against us but prior, prior to signing for us, didn't he? Yeah, he was, he was one of those players who, when when you saw him on the uh, the opposition team sheet, you were like, oh, not him again. Yeah. You know, because he just, like you say, he had he had that knack of being one of those strikers who just always seemed to score against Carlisle United. I think he got sent off against us as well, didn't he, I think, for at some point. 100% on that one. Because um, he, he put up a clip on his uh, Instagram and on his Twitter feed of all the goals, some of the great goals he scored in his career. And I kept looking thinking, oh, there's a goal at Brunner Park. Oh no! Wait, that's not playing for. <laughs> <laughs> you realise quite quickly he got quite a few against us, not just for Orient. So, so you know, yeah, I think he had some great moments with us. I, think, I always remember that hat trick he scored against was it Cambridge? I think in that four four draw. Yeah, that's yeah. A really ridiculous game. He um, he was always a cracking player for us, and you know, the, the start he had as well. I mean, he he was just on fire, wasn't he, when he first arrived? And the, the thing with him as well, 
even when he wasn't scoring, he was he was such a big part of the team, wasn't he? He's such a good player at holding up and bring players into the play. I, I genuinely sitting there just thinking to myself, did he have any duff games for us? Even when he's coming on as a sub late on, he always contributes something, didn't he? Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, off the top of my head, there's not many games you can think of where you think, bloody hell, he was today. Yeah. And, you know, you know, he was, if, if, if he wasn't scoring goals, he was still a solid sort of six out of ten, you know, and he would do something pretty much every game that helped us. Uh, I mean, my only other favourite moment for him would have to be that uh, Yeovil FA Cup game. I was just going to bring play. that in, yeah. <laughs> When he gave a clothesline on the keeper, didn't he? Yeah, and uh, he, he took on about the entire Yeovil team, and uh, that that basically set the foundation for us, didn't it? All he got was a bucket in that game <laughs> for that as well, which <laughs> yeah. is incredible. You wasn't even about the six game bad. It was incredible. And then the one time he did get sent off, he got overturned, didn't he? It was sent sent off after a minute, I think, against Akrinson. Yeah, yeah. A few years back, but yeah, that 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 was a harsh one. That wasn't it. It was ridiculous, wasn't it? But yeah, but yeah, all the best to Jabo. Um, we've had a little word with him. See if we can maybe get him on for an interview, haven't we, in the future? So hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him about his time at United and his career generally and what he's got planned for next. Because I think he's always said, hasn't he? I'm not sure he's ever that fussed about getting into coaching. I think he said he wanted to get into doing TV work and things like that, didn't he? Yeah. Well, if 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 we do manage to get him on, we're going to send him a box of Allenby ice cream <laughs> exactly. because. Uh, Lee wants to take him for an ice cream at he Allenby, but... He's got, he's got a spare time now. Could easily well, you never know. Yeah, you never you know. know. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that's the only bit of news for today. Um, let's get straight on then, Dan, to talk about the Doncaster game. So, Kai United 1, Doncaster Rovers 2. United FA Cup exploits uh, for the campaign come to an end at the weekend. Um, Doncaster progressed into the third round. They've earned a trip to Blackburn. I think in normal times, I'd be a bit disappointed about that because it'd been a cracking little... Uh, journey down the M6 for us, wouldn't it? But in the current climate, it's not really a particularly appetising game, is it? No. Uh, Blackburn, I think Blackburn's tier three, isn't it? So yeah. We, we wouldn't have been able to go anywhere, but uh, never mind. No, uh, just... I think the general thought after Sunday was we were just beat by the better team, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we, I mean, we, we didn't play brilliantly, but we didn't play badly. We were just second best. Well, we didn't disgrace ourselves, did we? I mean, no, that's, that's no. the way you should look at it, really. And yeah, you know, I think it just—it was good to test ourselves against a League One side and see yeah. how far we progressed. And I, you can I, see this a little bit off, aren't we? Just yeah, I—I I actually thought Doncaster's sort of manner and performance was probably what we should sort of be aiming to achieve because they were—they were strong, they were solid, they knew the game. Uh, something we're going to mention later: the level of loan play you have at that sort of level is a, a level up, which is which is something we, we've both mentioned. That I think we sort of, I don't think we realise how blessed we were with some of the oh, loanies we oh, yeah, got when definitely. we were in, you know, under Greg Abbott in League One. You know, there's there's a definite skill level difference, isn't there? Absolutely, absolutely. That, that's the. I mean, I think. James Phillips and Chris Lumsden said similar, didn't they, in the commentary? And you really can't disagree that the, the difference in loan play was just clear to see, really. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't think we disgraced ourselves. I think actually, you could argue up until Doncaster's goal, we were probably the better side in this game. Just marginally, not massively, but marginally the better side. I would say I possibly, but for all we had, we didn't create much. Hmm. And the only real sort of chance we had before the scored was uh, when Super John 
didn't capitalise on a... It was more a heart. It wasn't a... Was it a full yeah. chance? I, I think I think James made it on the commentary like it was a big, big miss. But for me, it was a difficult one. He had to take Yeah, I, I, I thought it was more a half chance. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't an easy, easy one, like a tap-in from a few yards. No, he no. had to get up to it, didn't he? So, But yeah, so I think, I think, like I said, I think we were maybe marginally the better side until the opening. But I think at that point, they just stepped up a little bit and they got the second and then... Mellish got his goal second yeah. half, and as you, as the, the, sec, the second was a big goal for them. It was just before half time, and yeah. at, at one nil, you you know you know what you need to do. Two nil, it changes the uh, the face of it so close. Yeah. And we had a bit of late pressure, but they never really looked that worried, did they? No, no. Doncaster. And, I mean, I can't remember when the penalty shout came. If it was before or after they scored, I think it might have been before. You know what? I've seen a few people say it was a dive. You can't really tell from the camera angle because the defender was blocking the view. But the way the defender put his hands up very, very quickly suggests he was worried that he clipped mm, him. So yeah, yeah. Well, they want to think maybe a, a booking for a dive is a little harsh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting one, anyway. So let's get on the talking points then, Dan. So I think first one is the fact that we sort of briefly touched on already. We're still a work in progress, aren't we? Really, understandably. I mean, we're, we're still very much a side that's developing on the beach. But it was good to see how we tested ourselves against higher opposition. We were our class. I think they just had a little bit more composure, particularly midfielding. That's where you, you noticed a big difference, didn't you, in the game? Yeah, they they were, they were like I said, they were very organised. They all knew the roles. Whereas when you look at our midfield, it's, you know, it's it's, it's quite a young midfield. Mm. Obviously, Mellish is, is recently converted. Riley hasn't had that much football in his career due to injury, and even Callum Guy's missed a bit of football, you know. So that yeah. it, I did wonder if it was maybe a game for Furman on Sunday. Yeah, I wonder if it might have been nice to give Guy a little rest so he's fresh for the league games. But I mean, I don't know how much money there really is to make from the FA Cup this season. It's, it's that's that's another judge, thing it? because you know with with no crowds. Uh, so far, obviously, we know they're back in from tomorrow night. But, you know, with with, with little crowds, is there really any money to be made? I mean, even, uh, was it, I think Morecambe have drawn Chelsea away in the FA Cup. Yeah. And, you know, it's, Unless it's on telly. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're going to I mean, it's, it's, it's probably not going to be because they're the away team, you know. And it's just, they're not going to, well, they're highly unlikely to win that game. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, yes, they've got a great day out, but nobody will be able to enjoy it, and they won't make much money from it. So. No, I think I mean the two stand-up performers for them were Whiteman and Smith in midfield. I was really yeah. impressed with them. They look like the kind of midfielder we used to have when we were in League One. You know, they they just know their jobs. They get on with it. And yeah, yeah. When you play League Two clubs, they they just they just look that step above them, especially yeah, Whiteman as well as their captain. I was impressed with him. I mean, you could argue. If they'd had a decent striker, Doncaster probably would have won the game more comfortably because they did. They just looked a little bit toothless up front. That's the only thing you'd say about them. Maybe the I can't remember the name of the lad who was up top for them. He he didn't look particularly great. The rest of the team looked really good though, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, well, well, White Whiteman, he was he was just quietly going about his business, and bang bang, he scores two goals in eight minutes, and mm. that's a tie half put to bed by half time. Well, that's the difference between him and Guy, isn't it? He got to the edge of the box and get some shots off. Guy's not really found his range in terms of shooting for us yet. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, we'll get on to the next one. We, we, again, we briefly touched this already, but the higher class of Loney. Um, the noticeable difference in the two sides was Josh Shins, wasn't it? 
He yeah. just looked a cut above, and Anderton had a bit of a torrid time at left back up against him, didn't he, this weekend? Yeah, um, I, th- I think I think Anderton will have been glad to see the back of him because uh, Sims was just every time he got it, some, he was looking to to start something and. He looked lively. He sort of reminded a, a bit of when we had the likes of Tom Lawrence, you know. Which, yeah, Ben Marshall. People. Yeah, Ben Marshall. Him. You know, when they got the ball, you sort of you sort of move forward in your seat or your standing space because you know something could happen from it. And yeah. you know, when when Doncaster get the fans in, I'm sure their fans will be similar when uh, Sims gets the ball. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Dan. It, 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 that's just the difference, isn't it? Just, just that little bit more quality, a bit more knowledge, and and I think, I think our wingers could maybe take a look at that and say, you know, he knew when to make the right decisions. Even he was a little bit more direct in terms of getting into the box and putting the ball in occasionally as well, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's move on to one of the next ones. And uh, this one we were going to discuss anyway, but it was raised by Craig Coulthard on the Be Just and Fear Not group. Um, again, we always post up before the games don't we and before we're recording asking people for their talking points so get yourselves on the be just and fear not group on facebook or just contact us on twitter if you wanted to raise anything you wanted to discuss um so basically it's about the concerns of attack um once again it seems to be repeating ourselves in this one doesn't it dan there's still big questions over our attacking options and their contribution in terms of goals are we still one good forward away from being a decent team Annoying would be the word I'd use because they're undoubtedly talented, but it just doesn't seem to click at the moment. Mm. Uh, I don't think starting with uh, Gimme Toure, start of the season he was he was playing pretty well, and since he had his red card, he's he's not really done much since he's came back. Yeah. I say th- I say this. Um, I think I said this last time as well. He'll probably go and score two tomorrow night now, <laughs> yeah. but. You know, just he, he hasn't looked at the same sort of level since he came back. It's disrupted his rhythm a little bit, didn't it? Really, and I think he's yeah, just, yeah. Just getting up to speed, and he's had to sort of work at it again. And I, I, I tend to thing is, he still looks like the most likely to play to create something. He's still the one who's beating men each time. It's just once he's done the beating them, he doesn't seem to know what to do at the moment or who to pick out. And yeah, and also, like I said, we watched those clips of him playing for Hartlepool and Sutton and what, what not. He's always cutting in from the left and having a go and a goal, and he's not really done that for us. Bar that game against Crawley with the P roller that Bennett got the goal from, he's not done that yet for us, has he? Really? Yeah, um, it's probably the same with Coyote on the other side as well. You know, he's, I, mean, I know he played a bit more central at the weekend, but he's. It's almost like there's a bit of uncertainty about some of the play at times. Uh, Pat- Patrick's obviously been in and out with his injuries as well and you know Coyote had his little international call up two days had his, his red card break and they just don't seem to have all hit top speed at the same time and you know Riley's coming off out, the bench it, yeah. yeah and you know he's he scored his goal in the in the trophy but then was on the bench the following game you know and you know, he's only getting ten minutes here, two minutes there, which which isn't enough time for a striker to to really hit form. I do think and, he should have come on a bit earlier this weekend. Actually, I think it was a little yeah, bit yeah, agreed, agreed, yeah. And 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 the other one, which was something else, we we're going to come on to, Alessandra not starting on Saturday. We've we've said ourselves a couple of times 
when Alessandra plays well, the team seem to play well, yeah. which is pro- probably a mark of how clever a footballer he is. You know, he's. I mean, I know there was a couple of people complaining. Oh, he doesn't score many. He's actually scored three or four and set a couple up this season. So yeah. he scored. Well, he scored know, more than Tori and Coyote and Patrick. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I know he's got penalties in there, but yeah, but he's still scored though, hasn't he? Exactly, you know? exactly. So it's it's one of those. I'd agree with you. I think he's essential to the way we play at the moment, and he's got to be starting games. And it, I don't mind him missing the FA Cup game, really, because it's not as important as the league. But I think he's got to be starting to for this Sulfur game surely because he makes such a big difference when he starts and like he's so good at ball retention you watch when the ball's played out wide to him he doesn't get shrugged off it he's big and strong he'll hold it up and he then plays the right pass generally I think that's massive and it's okay having two pacey wingers out wide but if they're both giving the ball away quite regularly it's, it's nice to actually have one player there at least who's retaining it and building the attacks up again and it, he makes a big difference on set pieces actually on corner that because he doesn't go into the box and when the ball is cleared out he generally he, it's similar to the sort of role Joyce used to play for us he then plays the right pass mm. doesn't he he's a clever player like that yeah it, it, it'd be interesting I mean I, I know it doesn't really suit our setup but it'd be interesting to see someone like Riley playing in front of Alessandra because at the moment, Alessandra plays as one of the three with the two wide players, and there's nobody directly in front of him. It'd be interesting to see a striker play in front of him one game just to see almost how like it works. Yeah, almost like a 4 2 3 1 or a 4 4 2 with like yeah, Alessandra yeah. just off the main striker, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't agree with that on that one. Um, okay, next point then. Uh, it's about teams doing their homework. Chris Gibson on Beaches and Fear not raised this one. So it's quite similar to what Tranmere did, really. I think Doncaster seemed to have us quite well sussed in there. And they played as our game, really. They were pressing us high and not really giving us time on the ball. If you look at it, we actually had more of the ball than we have done for quite a few games recently in this match. But we just didn't seem to know what to do. They really played the game well. Do we need a plan B? I'd like to think all teams have some form of plan B. <laughs> it's difficult but, uh, at our level, isn't it, to have a plan yeah, B that's yeah. as good as the, the and, first? And you would also say that, obviously, Doncaster are a settled League One team these days. Tranmere have just come down from a season in League One. They probably have, you know, two teams that probably have a little bit better scouting, etc. So they've probably watched us a bit more, whereas some of the League Two teams can't do that as much. But, uh, yeah, it's... I think there's times when we can look a bit one-dimensional and it would be nice to see us try and mix it up a bit sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think at the moment, I think we go a little bit direct too often for my liking. I don't, I don't mind yeah, us going yeah. direct and then there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all wrong with that. I find it frustrating sometimes when you try and play tippy-tappy football a bit too much Yeah, and you get caught. I think... Presley was quite guilty of that at times. He wanted us to play look, look, if, too often. This is one I often say to fans. If you look back at going back to 94, 95 season. We were a direct team. We, we were a direct team. Yeah. And one, once we took a lead, then we would play football. Yeah. The, the amount of times you'd knock the ball over the top for Reeves to chase on. Yeah, yeah. You'd argue that Mervyn Day side was a better side in terms of quality of football. Than Mervyn, Day, Mervyn Day's Port. team played far better football than Mick Wadsworth's. Yeah. But Mick Wadsworth's got the result better. Yeah, they were a much more effective yeah. team, weren't they? Yeah. That's the, that was the key to it. Um, yeah, that tends to be graphing. We maybe just need to sort of 
mix it up a bit. And going long too often is just a bit frustrating, really. Because we've got players in there who can play. Riley can play football. Guy can play football. Mellish isn't a total clogger. <laughs> he can get the ball down a bit as well. He was a really a ball sort of playing centre-back, wasn't he? So John Mellish's Beckenbauer and Cruyff re- <laughs> rolled into rejigged one. into one. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's the case. I think we sort of agree with that, aren't we? Yes, there probably is need for a maybe a plan B because I'm not sure this one's going to work all season the way we're playing right now. There needs to be something in there, really. Yeah, definitely. Up. Um, and the last talking point, and I agree this was the biggest one after the game of the weekend. Matt McDonald raised this one, but we were going to discuss it ourselves anyway. Is the sub for a sub debate? Um, towards the end of the game, obviously, Chris Beach opted to sub off Josh Dixon for Gavin Riley on the 90th minute, having only brought him on 20 minutes earlier. Beach didn't seem that phased about it in the post-match interview. He sort of, with James Phillips, he sort of said, well, you know, I, I had to look at putting an extra forward on to chase the game at the end there. And, you know, I could, John's going to contribute goal-scoring chances. Callum takes all set pieces and he's all action. And, you know, I can't take a defender off because he'd leave us short for extra time. And I didn't want to take another striker off. So Josh was the obvious one and he knows it's no slight on him or anything, but surely it's still going to affect the lad's confidence, you'd think, wouldn't you? The immediate thing that we both thought, because we WhatsApped each other, was you get a fourth sub in yeah. extra time. So take, so, your, take your defender off. If you have you, to then you, take Dixon you, off in extra time, do it then. Yeah, you, you, could, you could have took a defender off for uh, Riley. Knowing that you had a couple on the bench, you could bring on a couple of minutes later if we had grabbed the goal and went to extra time. Yeah, and and even then, I, you could argue just throwing. How often does it really work? Just throwing loads of strikes on if you then leave your midfield looking a bit weaker. Surely sometimes you can just take a striker off. He's not playing well. Yeah, yeah. That that, that would be the argument. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I, mean, I haven't really got much answer to that. It's quite common it, sense, isn't yeah, it? Because Coyote was not having a particularly great game and. You know, I suppose you're keeping him on for his long throw, but then Alessandro can take a long throw. Mix it up. You don't have to use Coyote's throw every single time, do you? I That's... actually thought Coyote's throws were quite poor on Sunday. They, they seem to be looping a bit more. Mm. Well, they had, a, they had a centre-back the... in Anderson, who's just a giant, isn't he? And yeah, well, him for the way. I, he's come on as a footballer, Anderson, Definitely. because when, when, he, when, he was, when he was at Carlisle, when he was on loan he from Burnley, raw. he was doggo. Yeah, you know? he, was he looked very raw, but, didn't he? He, he was a typical academy player because yeah. I think he was about 21, 22 when he came here and he'd played maybe 14 minutes of football somewhere, mm. you know, so... It was a weird one because Burnley never used to have like a Premier League style academy, did they? Yeah. They still played at our level, weren't they, in terms of yeah, Premier, even yeah, the Premier but, League? But Burnley have come on leaps and bounds with all that sort of stuff yeah, since uh, yeah. getting a yeah. bit more settled. So yeah, the feeling is, I, I think it could have been avoided maybe. And it's interesting that David Holdsworth was down pitch side at full time and had a word with Beach and Beach didn't seem overly happy. Maybe we're jumping to conclusions there. It was an interesting it, one, wasn't it? it? It could have been about anything. I mean, quite mm. why David Holdsworth was down there right on full time, who knows? But It's it's not like in Germany where the sporting director sits on the bench, don't they? And yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. It's very different over here. So it's a bit unusual on that one. So He may be abseiled down with his milk tray and his black roll neck. <laughs> but yeah, a um, little bit harsh on Josh. He, hopefully he hasn't dented his confidence in him. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't think it will. 
Yeah, he, he was probably part of my French a bit pissed off when it happened, yeah, but yeah. he seems a decent kid, and I'm sure he's forgotten already. Yeah, you'd, you'd hope, mate. I, I imagine Beach is a good man manager and probably had a word and say, don't yeah. worry about that, that's not a slight on you, just the way we were looking to do things. Yeah, really, so. yeah. Is there a bit of traffic outside there? I was going to say, but taking <laughs> off out here. Um, yeah, Another pull for you. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> having that it, Dan, is there anything else you wanted to talk about from this game? No, just uh, if in a year to 18 months' time we can be somewhere close to where Doncaster were, I'll be a very happy blue. Yeah, I'd agree with that. In terms of on the pitch, and I mean, off the pitch, they should be a club we should aim to be emulating as well, really, shouldn't we? Yeah. I'd argue, yeah. Okay, well, that's it for then for part one then, Dan. Uh, We'll be back shortly when we'll be discussing uh, part two and the return of fans to Brunton Park. I'd mix it up with the halftime break audio there because we've had the, uh, the the clip from Morecambe away about four years ago a bit, for a bit too long now. So there you go. So welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're into part two now. We're looking ahead to the midweek clash against Salford City. And most importantly, the return of supporters to Brunton Park for the first time since September. One to look forward to, isn't it, Dan, really? Yeah, uh, I, think, I think it came as a, surpri- a surprise to most when uh, we found out roughly this time last week that we'd be able to go. Well, it's interesting because we were on the CUSG uh, meeting, weren't we, the other night? And <laughs> Nigel Clubbin said it came over a bit surprised to the club as well because there was no yeah, indication there was, there was it was coming. Zero indication. And uh, basically the EFL found out the same time as the clubs did, Yeah, uh, basically when it was announced. Uh, but it, it's credit to the club, the fact that we had everything in place to basically just flick a switch and go, right, fans are coming back. Simply yeah. Because other clubs are finding it tough by all accounts. Yeah, I think having that uh, South End game as a trial has helped us massively. Yeah. You know, the systems are sort of they've been tested once. Mm. It it all went well there. Yes, there's an extra thousand in, but the the space that there was at the South End game, it, I can't see there being many problems. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's another seven pm kickoff, isn't it? So uh, yeah. It's uh, same again. The same for the Mansfield game in a couple of weeks, but we think that's going to be the last one by all accounts. Yeah, uh, we we asked about this last night, and uh, seemingly it's just while there's no fans. I mean, personally, as I mentioned last time I was on, it's something I'd quite like to see as a trial sometime. But mm. seven forty-five seems to be the preferred kickoff yeah. time. It's interesting, wasn't it? Okay, so let's go on for some interesting facts about Salford City. Um, so Salford City, the club, was founded in 1940 during the World War II uh, as Salford Central Mission, named after a Salford church of the same name where the club was founded. Uh, changed their name to Salford Central in 1947, then Salford Amateurs in 1963, hence their nickname The Amis. Then later, just Salford in 1978, they finally settled on Salford City in 1989. I mean, you, you don't hear that much of clubs changing the names that late on, do you really? No, not often, unless uh, there's like a merge or something. I think the only ones I can think of uh, in recent years of football league clubs will be Hartlepool United obviously went from Hartlepools to Hartlepool United. Leighton Orient have changed quite a bit yeah. in their history. Yeah, and I think the only one as well is Scunthorpe United with Scunthorpe and Lindsay United, I think, at some mm. point back in yeah. the past. So the only ones in recent times that have really changed their name extensively. Um, I was going to make the comments about Wimbledon and MK Duns, but I'll I'll leave that one out. There. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so they settled on Salford City in 1989. Uh, they originally competed in local leagues before joining the Manchester Football League. They went on to join the Cheshire County League in 1980, which eventually amalgamated into the Northwest Counties League in 1982, which obviously meant they then joined the English Pyramid. They moved to their current Moor Lane ground in 1978. It is currently known as the Peninsula Stadium as part of the sponsorship deal. Uh, it was completely demolished and renovated between 2016 and 2017 to take it up to EFL standards. It's quite a smart little ground, isn't it, from what I've seen on the telly? We've not been yet, obviously, so... It's yeah, it's uh, it's one of these sort of quite prefab built... Uh, basically, teams can use these this company that do sort of semi-prefab stands that they can knock up pretty quickly to get capacity up. And uh, have Wimbledon done that, I think, with their new stadium? Yeah, I think they're free in the stand temporary, aren't they? Yeah, they're like semi-permanent, I think they were yeah. described as. Mm. But yeah. uh, basically, in time, you can basically take them apart and build bigger, etc. Yeah. yeah, and obviously then they can be reused somewhere else, can't they, for another time yeah. if they need them. Yeah, because it was quite a bit of a rundown ground, I think, because my I didn't go, but my brother went to watch the um, Blaine, who'll be listening to this, uh, the playoff final game, I think it was against Workington. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about six, seven years ago, maybe. Um, and he's got a match ball from that game, because I think he, he, at the end, ran on the pitch and nicked the ball and ran off with it and Bloody took it over him. I know, West Cumbrian jobs for you. Um, so he's got that at home. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, in 2014, the club was taken over by a consortium which included the Manchester United class of 92 stars Gary Neville, Ryan Giggs, Nicky Butt and Paul Scholes and Gary's brother Phil. So it should be pointed out Philip Neville is not part of the class of 92 because he's a year younger. They all own 10% of the club with Singapore businessman Peter Lim buying the remaining 50%. Lim sold 10% of his share to David Beckham in 2019. Lim is also involved at Valencia, is it, I think? Yeah, which is where Gary, Gary Neville was... Uh... Yeah. And he's head coach he, for a while. And I know from listening to a European football podcast, he's not overly popular and neither is his, I think, his daughter or his wife over there. I think they've made some comments about, you know, we own the club so, so we can do what we want with it. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Because they've been a bit of a mess for a few years, Valencia, haven't they? So Yeah, they're certainly not what they were, say, a decade ago. No, certainly not. Um, prior to the takeover, they wore tangerine shirts and black shorts, but have since then, shock horror, switched to red shirts and white shorts. No, they're ba- I mean, you look at the way they've changed things there. They basically just want to make them a mini Man United, don't they, really? It's, uh, you know, it's, you wonder how many of the, the old guard at Salford have put up with it, or, uh, you know, do, do, do any not go anymore because of it? You know, I mean... You're talking about a full identity there, you know. I mean, yeah. I, well, it's only when, a slight change in colour, but it's still a change, isn't it? Yeah, it's orange to red. It's, it's a change, full stop, isn't it? You yeah. know, and I know, I know there was the uh, the BBC documentaries on them and whatnot, and there was there was a couple of voices who were a bit, well, you know, I've been coming here since. <laughs> Before, before Hadrian and you know, you know that that would that would happen when it, if it happened to us when you you know oh, there'd be good grief there'd be dozens and dozens of them coming out of the woodwork yeah I've been going since nineteen seventy three yeah that. yeah but uh but yeah you you've touched on the BBC documentary there so I won't cover that one again but um in the last seven seasons they've managed five promotions with only last season and their first season in National League North seeing them fail to get promoted I mean. Fair play. It's quite impressive to get, even with money thrown behind them, to get clubs up that quickly because some some teams struggle, don't they? Yeah. Uh, I think they possibly underestimated League Two last season. 
Mm. Because when you look at the players who've signed this season, and obviously they were, they were very harsh in removing the manager early in the season, yeah. and obviously we'll mention Richie Wellens in a minute, mm. but they're, they're slowly starting to pick points up now as well, aren't they? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're just creeping up the table. They're just behind mm. United now. We'll, again, like you said, we'll touch on that in a bit. Um, last little bit here is the fact that the club's anthem is Dirty Old Town, a song written by Salford local Ewan McCall in 1949 and subsequent, subsequently recorded by many artists, including the Pogues. I didn't realise it was written by a Salford native. I mean, obviously of Irish descent, I'm guessing, with a name like that. Yeah. A bit, of, yeah. bit of a giveaway there, but that's interesting. Because I, I know they sing that at FC United as well, don't they? I think I, I seem to remember when I went to watch them, possibly. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Celebrity fans. Did you manage to get any for this? Because I, no. I didn't find any. No. no. I'll they be honest, any fans. <laughs> well, they've got celebrity owners. Yeah, so, that's, that's standard. And I'm, I'm sure they have friends who come down to watch now and again. But yeah, exactly. in, term, in terms of bona fide, go every month at least fans, no. None at all, is there? Um, head-to-head record, this is pretty easy to do. Played one, <laughs> drawn one. Simple as that. Only time we've met, actually, was last season. Um, early in the season. We, it was quite an entertaining game, this, wasn't it? A 2-2 draw. We, we, we should have hammered them that well, day. You know what? I watched back the YouTube highlights, and we played some really nice football. And like you said, we should have battered them. And both their goals were dodgy. I mean, the, the penalty against Webster, I look back at it again now, and you're like... They both fell over and the lad tried to get up and sort of stumbled over Webster and yeah, referee yeah. bought it, didn't he? And then I think for the um, for the second goal, there was a foul, wasn't there, in the build-up and wasn't given for whatever reason. Yeah. A bit, bit frustrating that. And the key thing that stands out from this, and it's, it <laughs> should have been should have been a foresight, really, shouldn't it? This, uh, Elias Sorensen missed an absolute sitter at the end to, yeah, yeah. to win it, really, didn't he? And I mean, Colin made a great save as well to, to keep us in it at the very end, but... Yeah, it's one of those games you look at it and it's back at the Presley year and you think, what could, what could have been, you know, if we could have actually got us playing football like that regularly, you know, we would have done well probably, but yeah, just just couldn't really, could have. Too many players who weren't up to it, that was the problem. Okay, so despite being big pre-season favourites in the division alongside Bolton, Salford have found it tough so far and only a recent upsurge of form has actually pushed them up the tail, hasn't it? So, I mean, they're currently in eighth place in League Two, with one place behind and one point behind United, having played a game less. Their current record is played 13, won six, drawn four, lost three, four twenty-one against eleven. Goal difference plus ten. They've got a very good defence by looks of things, haven't they? When you look at that, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't concede that many. Um, I think they drew they drew a couple early on, which didn't help them. But like I've just said, that. Uh, certainly uh started picking up and uh we, we we sort of noticed that when they play a decent side that's when they seem to struggle a little mm. bit well, Bolton but, beat them didn't they yeah but well again Bol- Bolton have been quite similar yeah. they're improving now aren't they well, four so, wins in a row now so they're, they're yeah. really pushing up the table um but yeah uh the form table actually in the last six games they've they've won three Two defeats and a draw, so they're just, they're just above United in that as well, so they are really starting to catch on us. Um, last time out in the FA Cup, though, they lost 3-0 to uh, fellow League 2 side Newport County. I'm not sure what kind of side they put out for that game, whether they put out a strong team. Possibly not, but um, but the last home game, uh, they narrowly beat Morecambe 2-1 at home, and having read the report, it sounds like Morecambe should have got a draw from this because they battered them. For much of the second half, yeah, they were they were two 0 up in that, weren't they? I think. Yeah, Cole Stockton got a goal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, 
Let's move on to the manager then. So Richie Wellens, actually a former Salford player. He didn't realise this till today. He played there towards the end of his career. Uh, but he's a Manchester United youth product. Played, I think, for a few clubs. Doncaster, Oldham, clubs like that down the years. Um, bit of a surprise when he walked out on Swindon, maybe? Although they're struggling this season. It yes sounds like the money no. might have run out a bit there's, there. There's, there's off-field problems at Swindon that haven't really made... Unless you're a Swindon fan, you maybe don't know about them. Yeah. They've... Uh, I think the financial situation's gone bad there, and I mean, I I actually backed Wellens at nineteen to one to get the job because I just yeah, thought no, you did. You it. <laughs> I I just thought it was far too big a price, and mm. he had to be in the running for it. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he he's a local lad. He's played for the club. He knows the owners. It just seemed right. So. Yeah. Well, interesting. You mentioned Swindon their struggle this season. Um, I probably should mention the ex-Blues bit, but I'll just cover it now. They got a 2-1 win at the weekend against their local rivals, Oxford. Uh, John Sheridan mastering that win. Uh, apparently, there was a centre-back who'd had two brilliant games in a row. He dropped him for the game, and the fans were kicking off about it. And he brought him on with 10 minutes to go or something like that, played him up front, and they won 2-1 as a result. <laughs> <laughs> That's all John Sheridan, I, isn't he, it? He just, fair, fair play to him, Sheridan. One of the things as a manager, he's, he'll take risks. He'll yeah, throw players yeah. up front and stuff yeah, like definitely. that. A lot, a lot of managers are a bit, bit too cautious, but he'll just throw cautions to the wind quite happily in games. Um, and I, I don't think he'll be bothered what folk think of him for doing it either. Uh, no, he did. He couldn't care less, could he? Which is another quality, if you want to put it that way. Um, did an impressive job at Swindon last season, albeit on a decent budget, I think it's fair to say, Yeah, uh, in League Two. Um, I put it, it's just a bit of a whiny bitch though, isn't he? <laughs> he just, he just, honest to God, that game last season against us, and in a game we we should have won late on, you know, that that game was two two, I think it was, um, and we weren't a particularly great side back then, and they were up near the top, and he he had a proper complaint about the game, didn't he? And I can't yeah. remember what he said exactly, but he was he was griping something about the atmosphere and things like that, and yeah. all all he's done there is guarantee that tomorrow night. He's just going to get absolute pelters from the paddock, including myself. I'll be, I can't wait to be giving him jip for this one. But so yeah, he's clearly a decent coach manager, but he's he's got a little bit of the cowley about him, hasn't he? And he's quite arrogant in the way he talks and the way he behaves. I think. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, so obviously you mentioned there he replaced uh, Graham Alexander as manager. Maybe a little bit unlucky to be sacked, but the, the reports are that the quality of football wasn't great and he was very defensive-minded. Uh, yeah, so he's I think, got them think, being solid, but they just weren't... I think the word tre- treading water would be a good description. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, move on to it. Now, when you look at the squad they've got, if they don't go up this season, they'll be a little bit of a disgrace, possibly, wouldn't you say? Because it's just packed with quality players for this yeah, level. Yeah, I mean, you, you look up front, you've got James Wilson, who was at Man United two years ago, and he, he'll be on good money, big yeah. time. Ian, you've Henderson, got, Ian Henderson plays behind him. You know, you've got the likes of Tom Clark, Ash Hunter. You know, there's there's good, good players in this George squad. George Boyd. <laughs> they signed yeah, him yeah, signed him every week. Yeah. Incredible. And then even at the back, you've got, you know, Tom Clark and Jordan Turnbull in defence, who are good yeah. quality players at this level. And, I mean, a midfield of Richard Towell and Darren Gibson. I think most teams at this level would be <laughs> yeah. happy with that, wouldn't they? So, yeah. I mean, if they're not going up this season, there's there's something seriously wrong there, you'd think. Well, if I think if they win their game in hand, they go smack bang into the middle of the playoffs. Exactly. So, yeah, so. I think as the season goes on, I think they're going to be up there. Yeah, I mean, I'd I fully expect them to be in the top three at the end of the season. Yeah. I know they've had a tough start, but the yeah. form they're on, there's, the players they've signed. Two, two players we haven't mentioned yet, which is the former Carlisle Angle. Yeah. And it's, I think it's fair to say that 
both weren't exactly world beaters in the blue and white. Uh, Martin Smith, who we took on loan from Sunderland. Yeah. And he literally played a couple of games, yeah. didn't he? And one Ashley, game one day. Yeah, Ashley Easton. Yeah. Um, so he's done well for himself, to be fair. <laughs> since yeah, he's yeah. Left us, so, you know, fair play. I always felt he's one of the ones he was just brought in his cover, wasn't he, for injuries? And yeah, bit, yeah. Back when back when you could make the one-month loan signings all the time. Yeah. So, so yeah. Okay, on to team news. Nothing to update, really. Rod McDonald's still out with a groin injury, picked up in training a couple of weeks ago. Sounds like he might be another couple of weeks away from what Beach has been saying. Um, similar with Colin Malley, he's probably still two or three weeks away. And Brendan Dickinson and Ethan Walker are probably still out till the new year. Also, yeah. That's getting closer now, though. You forget that? Yeah, yeah, so true. Yeah, hopefully hopefully see them end of the month, early January. Yeah, well, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? And, um, yeah. It'd be nice to see them both back. Uh, yes, I've... Not really got any Salford team news. Not be able to find anything. They did. Unsurprisingly, Manchester Evening News doesn't really give them premium coverage. No. <laughs> no shock there. So, uh, um, predictions, Dan? I've got a feeling this has got nil-nil brought all over it for some reason. I, I just think with 2,000 fans in, everyone excited, we're due to chuck a nil-nil in. Well, I'm not going to be a misery like you. <laughs> I'm going to go for the win. I think we're going to win 2-1. I think we'll go behind... But I think we win two one, and I think the fans will just cheer them on, and we'll get that. We'll get like a ninetieth minute win or something like that. Suck uh, the ball into the net. In yes, the last exactly minute. that. Um, goals wise, well, I, I, I can't have anyone, can I? I mean, you can't. <laughs> but I'm going to go with Big John. I think Big John's going to score again. He's, his his goal scoring record's phenomenal. I think John Coleman did an article on it, didn't he, and mentioned the fact that I think he's close to beating Simon Davies' record. Yeah, from, yeah. 25 years ago. I don't know if anyone else has scored more than that for us from midfield. And obviously it's difficult to judge because positions have sort of changed over the years, haven't they? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you might class as a midfielder now. Chris Balderson, you'd say midfielder these days, might, was more of a forward player back then. Yeah, maybe, yeah. You'd argue, I don't know. But someone who's a bit older would know better than me on that one. Um, uh, who else? Oh, it's a hard one to judge this one. Mari Patrick, go on. I think he'll start again. I think he'll get his goal. Um, so yeah, two-one win for me. I'm going to be positive. I think we'll bounce back from the Doncaster defeat. Uh, yeah, but that's summed up the review preview. Dan, so let's move on to the actual section. Plenty of goals again this weekend, wasn't there? Yeah, uh, Charlie Wyke got another on. I think it was Friday night. Didn't did, uh, did do Phil Parkinson good though, did it? No, no. Uh, in the job, so. so I think I think I read a stat that drawn something like thirty out of fifty games under him or something. That's phenomenal, isn't it? Really? Yeah. You think back to that time under Curl where we couldn't buy a draw, could we? For yeah. A while. Uh, Naki Wells scored for Bristol City. Jamie Proctor for Newport. Uh, Cole Stockton's on form. He got another couple for Markham. I thought he'd got a hat trick in this game, but he was given as an own goal. I think the fit, the fourth goal, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark Beck scored, but unfortunately it was in his own net <laughs> for Harrogate, so yes. not the best for him. Uh, another golden oldie, Simon Grand scored again for Chester. He's had a couple lately, hasn't he? Yeah, and and a nice obscure one to finish off. Daryl Duffy scored for Stranra. Good to hear the name there. He's yeah. one of those players who got excited when we signed him, didn't we? And he, he just didn't quite live up to what we expected. Yeah, I think he was starting to sort of come down a bit, wasn't he? Mm. And it just didn't really happen. He's um, doing well in the lower leagues in Scotland. He's getting a few goals. Yeah, yeah. The the other big one, uh, we've mentioned one. David Raven with his Indian summer, part of the Marine side who beat Haventon Waterlooville. Nearly scored the goal, didn't he? He was, yeah, he was weird yeah. one because he sort of 
the, the player heads it. He didn't actually head it. He hits his back and sort of sort of loops up over the keeper, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And Ravens just there just in case to bury it in the back. Yeah. Of the well, as as we saw uh, in the FA Cup draw last night, Raven and Marine got a, a home tie with Tottenham, which is just brilliant. Isn't it? That is that is the cup, isn't it? That's well, why we love the cup. It's just about the best tie they could have got, other than Liverpool or Everton, really. Yeah, for them, yeah. For them, because Spurs are pro- arguably the best side in the country right now. Yeah, and uh, about 20 minutes after the draw, Raven tweeted himself and he actually made his debut 19, was it 19 years ago or something? 17 years something ago? Something like that, yeah. Uh, for Liverpool at Spurs. So he's he's come right round in his career and now he's uh, close to finishing his career with uh, a game against Spurs, so... Belting draw for them, and might even try and get a ticket myself as a local. So uh, I, I'd be I'd, that's got to be a TV game, hasn't it? You think so? So it won't clash with our game against Orient. You'd hope if it's if it's the same day, obviously I won't go to it. But, yeah, yeah. But we'll uh, we'll have to see with that one. Yeah, that cracking stuff from uh, David Raven there, and uh, I think we had a little update on Joe Garner possibly. That I know, I think he was supposed to be going to that side in India, but it sounds like it's Apple Nisik Nisik. I'm going to pronounce this rightly now. Nicosia. Nicosia, thank you. Yes. Um, they, I think they were rumoured to be interested in too. Yeah. So, uh, he'll need his passport because it seems half the world's after Joe Garner yeah, now. Interesting one, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, that's it, Dan, then, for this week. Thank you very much once again for joining in. Um, no bother. <laughs> we, we keep saying it, but we still haven't got around to recording the kit special, have we? Just, again, it's just... We've just had that many midweek games, haven't we? That's the thing. It... it we we can't really justify doing so many recordings because we're we're busy people, obviously. Um, <laughs> next week there's there's no there's no midweek game, so uh, maybe fit it in next week if you've you've got a bit of spare time in there, Dan. Possibly, I, I, I don't know. Up to you. I will. I'll have to look at my, I'll have to look at my roster and get back to you. But uh, I'm sure we can find something. Yeah, it'd be great if we could. Because like I said, I I've written it. I haven't sent it back to you, yet, but I've written it. So we're ready to go. On that one. <laughs> just, uh, well, I'll see you. Uh, getting all lined up so um so yeah thanks everyone for listening uh as we said before i mean chances are if you're listening to us now you probably have done this already but if you haven't please do go and subscribe to the podcast using your whatever podcast that you use if you just search for brunt and bugle it'll be there click subscribe and then every time we release an episode you'll you'll get an alert to tell you to download it and listen to it yeah i mean i i use iplayer uh podcasts sorry uh apple podcast yeah. and as soon as we upload, it is there, and it's literally just one click, and it's downloaded. So yeah, perfect. That's what you want, isn't it? Um, so yeah, no. Like I said, if if you can, give us a give us a subscribe, and you'll obviously get the podcast whenever they come out. Um, as well, if you can give us a review, that'd be brilliant because it pushes a little bit further up the uh, charts, sort of things, and people see it more, and we get more listeners, and that can only be a good thing. More which which brings things. us on to the highlight of the finish, which is. The world map of listeners, and we've got a couple of belters this week. We have. Um, I mean, we sort of covered this briefly uh, last week, but Bahrain is one of the new countries. Um, we wonder if it's someone who was at the uh, the F1 Grand Prix. The way. Ho- hopefully not Roman uh, Grosjean was listening to it while he was driving. Yeah. <laughs> that would be worrying if he was. Yeah. Um, one of Mike's crap jokes, possibly <laughs> nearly put him in the hospital. <laughs> but... Uh, but yes, and obviously uh, we've got all the usual places like say the United Kingdom's top as you'd expect, USA, Australia, Canada, Norway. Norway, one of the top ones, obviously, is our uh, one of our favourite listeners listening there. Um, but the belt a new one, Luxembourg. The uh, 
the is it the, the crown dependency i think it is of luxembourg i can't remember yeah, how they describe Lux, it Lux, luxembourg city the capital isn't it indeed and um doesn't actually tell me any data as, as to where the person's listening so it's that small <laughs> i was i was going to say with luxembourg it's probably all just classed as the one the one sort of area yeah you'd think so 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 yeah no thank thank you to our new listener in luxembourg i think i know who it might be based on what our norway listener um um told us in that um i think it's someone who works around that area of central europe or western europe if you want to call right it. right and uh just listens as he's going along so it's nice for him to help us tick off a few countries yeah along yeah. the way always good that and that's it for this week dan um Thanks once again for listening, uh, everyone no out there. Hopefully we'll be back um, later in the week to report on a, uh, another win. Hoping to get an re- episode recorded before the game, aren't we, I think? This week. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll try and try and do our uh, sort of review of the game from the game before and yeah. after if we can. Yeah. All, all socially distanced, obviously. Yeah. Well, we might so do. If, if you see two blokes with a big stick with a microphone, come and say hello to us. Yeah, exactly. So we, we might might just get it recorded before the game, might we? And that way we can... I mean, sorry, um, sort of after the game and just drop that into the preview episode, maybe. That might be the yeah, way we do yeah. it. It's a little bit different, but there you go. Um, but yeah, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.